Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. For more information or resources, go to www.igateway.org. So excited to be back here with you guys. Uh, as Chris, Chris shared part of my testimony, I want to fill in some of the gaps. I saw uh, Lynn O'Neill raise her hand in the back. I, I remember the day that I got expelled from school, and I had to go to summer school. And Lynn was my teacher for a while. And it was about the end of the first week, and she looked at me, and she's like, Derek, why are you here? You're not dumb. Like, why are you here? Like, not that she thought any of the other kids were dumb. And she, she just had this conversation with me, like, how's come you have to retake this class? And I had to explain that I got expelled from school and everything. Uh, I had to make up some credits. But I, I, I go to share this because even in worship this morning, I felt just this uh, desire to share my testimony because as we were singing the, the song that we were singing, my short-term memory is uh, a bit struggling, so I wrote it down just so I wouldn't forget it. The song that says that there's nothing else fit for a king, that all, all I have is a hallelujah. Yeah. Guys, that's a picture of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That is my life. That is why I'm in front of you guys this morning. Is not because I have all these life skills and I've developed this amazing ministry, but literally I've just developed a habit of getting before God and saying, all I have is a hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. You deserve it all. This is what took this 18-year-old kid sitting in this seat over here where my brother's sitting. That encounter with God that changed my life forever. I had an encounter with God before that, but that was, the, God had got a hold of me, and then this is where he showed me, like, okay, now this is what I want you to do. Changed my life forever, and as I hit hard times and missions, this encounter with the Lord right here sitting in this church, sitting in that seat, that our amazing church body here created an atmosphere for people to encounter the Lord. I had that encounter, and it's, and it's kept me in the position I'm in over the last 14 years. I love looking at the story of the disciples. None of them were fit to, to be anything great. Um, those of you who study a little bit of the culture at that time, they had all failed and flunked out of the, the Judaic schools that they were participating in, and they were all sent back home as failures. Go and follow your father who also failed, and you're, you're not worthy to, to be a student under the rabbi here. And that's how I felt. Uh, as Chris said, I was a wrestler. Uh, I was a good wrestler. I was like, man, I was ready to go for the scholarships and, and get into college and live that sports American dream. Uh, that failed. I feel like I wrestled the Lord one day at semi-state. And a kid, I mean, I, any, any of you guys that follow sports, when, when somebody gets so far ahead, it's about impossible for somebody to catch up. In wrestling, if you get 15 points ahead, they just call the match. They're like, no, quit embarrassing the other person. We know you're better. We'll just call it here. I got 13 points up on this guy. And then the second period came, and it was like I forgot how to wrestle. In wrestling and some sports, like, you just have that one thing that somebody gets caught in, and it's like, well, that sucks. But no, it was like, it was just reversed, and I was just humiliated, not because of the other person's skill, nothing against him, but it was like I was wrestling with the Lord, and he erased my mind completely of any wrestling skill that I had, and I would just like roll to my back and like give all the points away. <laughs> and I contribute that to the Lord. He saved me from following the American dream of college and sports and this and that. But I wasn't so fine-tuned into his voice at that time, so then I was like, okay, well, that sucks, but uh, how about I go and join the military? I can have an adventure there. And uh, those of you that know me a little bit closer know that I'm colorblind, 
And so all the cool jobs that I thought I could do in the military, I wasn't able to do because I was colorblind. And then it was kind of like the whole disciple thing again, like, oh, no, go back home to your father. You're not good enough here. And it was shortly after that that I had this encounter with the Lord here in this church. And this place will always be home to me because it's, it's one of the first places where I cut my teeth on the things of God. I had gone to church before in another place, but this is where I actually learned that you can experience the Lord. That you don't just learn a religion and learn a thought process about a distant God, but you actually have that encounter with the Lord. And this is where I encountered the Lord, was in this place. And then thankfully we have great pastors who knew how to uh, throw us in the deep end. Um, I was actually, the Lord gave me this illustration this morning that there's so many Christians that are walking the fence uh, in Christianity. And it's like they're looking and seeing all the good things and they're seeing some other people experience these good things. But they're so worried about walking the fence and making sure that they're, they're on the right line and that they're not messing up or they're not going too far this way and they don't want to give up these freedoms but they want to experience this goodness and they're just walking on the fence. And thankfully I got under a pastor who was great at just nudging people off that fence, <laughs> pushing them in. <laughs> you guys are blessed to, to have them as well. Um, the spiritual encounter tent was one of those things for me. It was one of those things that taught me, hey, it doesn't matter what skills you have. It doesn't matter what background you have. All you need to do is just be a conduit for God to flow through you and touch people. And at the end of the day, that's what we're called to be as Christians. Little Christ. We're, just, we're simply called to connect people with their source of life. Those of you who know me a little bit more intimately know that uh, John 15 is my life chapter of the Bible. Jesus is the vine, God's the vine dresser, and we're the branches. Life is that simple, guys. Stay connected to the vine and you will bear fruit. You will experience the goodness of God. And that's all that my life sums up to being is just being one of those connectors of, hey, guys, I found something good over here. Come here and get plugged in. And, and that's, that's my life. Many of you guys, you look at the pastors, you look at the missionaries, you look at these people who have these titles and think like, well, maybe someday. But the only difference, the only difference a lot of times is that we're just learning how to connect people with God. It's not a set of skills. Our skills that we have, we lay down at the altar, and at the end of the day, I have a lot of great qualities, I think, and, and at the end of the day, all I can do is lay it down and say, I have nothing fit for a king. All these qualities that I have, all this knowledge that I have built up of what it is to be with God, all of the, the life skills of survival and navigation in the furthest regions of the world, all of this counts as nothing, and I lay it at the feet of Jesus, and I say, the only thing I have that's, that's worthy of your attention is a hallelujah. Yeah. That's it, guys. That's the secret. We have such a good father. I was, I was a little bit uh, sad this morning. I, I learned this song, we have the best dad in the whole world. I was, I was kind of expecting that this morning, but thankfully we don't have people who are just here to be thematic and always trying to preach that message for Father's Day, preach that message for Christmas. And well, I mean, Christmas is an exception, but we're not, we're not thematic uh, social gatherers here. We're preachers of the word and, and getting people to really experience the Lord. We didn't come here this morning to be able to please you with words that are going to tickle your ears and you'll feel good about yourself as you walk out the door. In fact, we're here to encourage you to die to yourself and to quit thinking about your so much, yourself so much and put your faith in the Lord and see what he can do with your life. 
that's the story of our ministry. That's my testimony, guys. The word says we'll overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. My testimony to you this morning is there's nothing different between you and I. There's nothing special about me. I've just learned how to tap into the vine. I've learned how to be a conduit for Jesus to reach out and touch other people. I like to think of it as a live wire. Even when I grab people's hands, I'm just thinking, okay, this live wire is going to get them. And I grab hands and I shake with them and I grow in an expectation that they're going to have an encounter with the Lord through this moment. I had a conversation with uh, Denny Jones's grandson, uh, beginning of last year, uh, Tyler Jones, one of my best friends from high school. Uh, and I was just trying to describe to him, because I'm, I'm not the best teacher. I'm not the guy that's going to take you a mile deep. I was thinking, like, in the, in the Lord's army, I'm that boot camp guy that's just kind of like, okay, let's break off this old thinking, let's start in this new thinking, and I'm going to get you set in the right direction. And then we have some people who are like, the sniper training that can take you deep and get you focused on one thing and let you see the details of it. I'm not that guy. All I can do is simply set you on that path and, and, and kind of encourage you go in that direction. Guys, I've been there and that is good. That's where you want to head. That is the path that's going to take you to life. That's where the fruit's going to come from. And that's, that's my whole job is to get people set on that path. Um, of course, God uses me to take people deeper. Chris, uh, he must have had a word from the Lord because there was no confidence in this flesh right here to be a teacher here in this church, teaching some of Leon's courses. Uh, Brother Harold was, was helping in that, and we had a blast together. Uh, but at the end of the day, all that matters is that we're connecting people with God. I love the spiritual encounter, Ted. I'm so happy that I got to come back and just see that announcement and hear about that ministry again because that was part of me jumping in the deep end. And, and getting beyond the surface level Christianity of a religion and getting this understanding that we are a live wire connecting people with Christ. And so when I talked with Tyler last year, since I have a lack of words sometimes, I was trying to describe this thing and I was so convicted by it. I was like, Tyler, every time I sit down with somebody, they have an experience with the Lord. And it's not because I'm anything special, but it's because that's exactly what I'm putting my faith in. It's not that I have anything to offer, but I'm just sitting here, Lord, I'm going to have a coffee with Pastor Chris today. He's a pastor. He knows more of the word than me. He's had more relationship with you over the years. But that same Jesus lives inside of me, and he's going to experience it today. That's where we put our faith, guys. The same thing you guys are practicing here in the spiritual encounter tent, uh, going undercover and, and trying to strip away all the Christianese terms and whatnot. That's the same thing we're doing on the other side of the world. There's people in Brazil, the, the number one religion is Christianity. But it's a culture of religion, and, and there's so few people that are experiencing the true depths of Jesus that they need that example, and that's what we're going in and doing. Instead of just saying, hey, do you know of Jesus? They'll all say yes. They'll even quote some scriptures to you. But at the end of the day, they have not had an encounter with God, yet seen an encounter with God happen in the life of somebody else, and they're living a deadbeat religion. Our job, guys, is to not be a promoter of a religion and promote just the truths about Jesus. There's a part of that. There's teaching. There's discipleship. There's, there's that true uh, knowledge of, I mean, we read the Great Commission, teaching them to obey all the things I've commanded you. There is a side of that. But the first thing is that they can have an encounter with God and taste and see that he is good. And that's what we're doing in Brazil.
I love it. I, I don't know about you guys. I had my encounter with the Lord back there next to Denny this morning in worship this morning. Thank God for the worship team and just the atmosphere you guys have in this place. Um, but know that you guys are, are commissioned, not just privileged to play a part in it, but you're actually commissioned to grab this atmosphere, take it and make it part of your life and be a carrier of it into your daily life. Some of my biggest heroes are those that can do that without a title. They don't need to be called a pastor. They don't need to be called a missionary. But when you look at their life, they have disciples in their workplace. They reach out and they touch the lives of other people around them in a natural way because they're doing the same thing I just described where they're just putting their faith in, God can use me. Here I am, Lord, use me. And let this person experience the touch of God today. I, it's, it's so easy, guys. It, it takes all the complication out of it. If it was complicated, I wouldn't be able to do it. It's by the grace of God that I've been able to speak a second language. My Portuguese is about my level of English, so it's not too high, but it's enough to get by. But at the end of the day, it's about an encounter. Uh, I've been privileged with the ability to come back to the States for these three weeks. Uh, my father passed about three weeks ago. And uh, it, it's, it's sad. It's a little bit tough. But at the end of the day, there's so much peace and there's so much joy and there's so much opportunity that still goes on. I have my moments where I miss them. I mean, I walked up to, to Brother Darren this morning and the coffee cup sitting on the, the, the thing back there is the same coffee cup my dad used for years. I have these moments of missing and reflection, but I also have this peace that goes beyond understanding. I have a joy that can't be quenched by the circumstances of the world. And that's what I'm here to do is to give that to other people. Not that I have something... Uh, in my power to give, but the same way that John and, and Peter uh, were walking to the temple and they looked at the beggar and they said, silver and gold I, I don't have, but what I do have I give to you. Guys, you need to know that you have something to give to the world around you. Jesus in you is what they need. It's, it's that simple. And so our team this year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch over and just share a little bit of testimony from the year. I want you guys to know. Thank you guys for those who are long-term investors, uh, those who know about stocks and stuff. You got short-term investments, you got long-term investments. The long-term investments, you just put the money there, you look, you, you look you know, okay, yeah, wisdom says, yeah, I think this one's gonna be good, and you invest in it, and then you don't pay so close attention to it until the long run, and you're like, yeah, this paid off. That's, that's my life for you guys. Those who, those who have uh, invested in us a long time, Chris and Debbie being some of the first, the long-term investment's paying off, guys. <laughs> there might have been a few years there where it looked a bit rocky, where it's like, okay, what else happening? Oh, okay, yeah, you're surviving. That's good. Yeah, somebody's heard about Jesus. Great. We're getting to the point now where we're seeing not just addition and one-in-one one coming to the Lord, but we're starting to see a transformation in the culture in these villages. That's what we're there for, guys. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, full of, full of heaven, down to earth. That's where we're at, guys. We're seeing that happen in the Amazon. Uh, and it's, it's happening through encountering. Us simply going out and seeing people encounter Jesus. Amen. I want to share the testimony because uh, these God encounters, they're so simple. It's so simple. I spent years thinking like, well, I'm not going to be a teacher. Thank you for your grace, Lord, that you can use me in some possible way. And almost this false humility of like, okay, yeah, I don't have a lot to offer, but God can use me. And it, and it wasn't a faith. It was just almost like a truth fact-based. Like, yeah, I don't have anything, but God can use me. And, and there's been a switch in, in Chelsea and I, and there's been a switch in our ministry where it's like, no, I have something to offer, 
because I have Jesus. It's not like, oh, Lord, please use me. It's like, oh, Lord, you want to encounter that person, and here I am. Use me. And you're going to do it. And when we go out, we see those encounters happen. We, uh, we went out on this trip. It was the middle of last year. As we left, we were on the boat, and we were doing the typical missionary thing. Lord, prepare their hearts. Lord, give them dreams and visions. Lord, just uh, soften their heart for your word that when we get there, there will be a divine encounter. And we were praying these truths that, that sometimes are repetition. I think sometimes we look at repetition and we think, oh, that's just religion. I need to quit that. But when you activate faith in that, it's something powerful. Declarations. They're powerful. Declaring these things over your life, declaring these things over the ministry that each one of you guys have is something powerful. We were declaring this. Little do we know, two days later, we get out to this village. We're preaching in the village. Uh, we're going house to house. We love doing small ministry. We're not the crusade ministry. You can't gather 2,000 people when the village only has 85. Um, so we're not crusaders. We're, we're simply going out and looking to evangelize in families and, and draw people's attention to the creator, to the reason that they were, were made, and to the life giver, and then explain to them how to tap into it and to be that source of life for those around them too. Not, and and don't, don't twist my words. Don't think that I'm saying that you're going to be the source of life. No, you're the conduit. The wire's going through you or what give the power. It's Jesus in you. But you need to have the expectation that you're not an empty conduit too. That you have those live wires, that you have the Holy Spirit inside of you who's going to reach out and touch those other people. And so when we got out there, we are ministering house to house. And we get to one house and we ministered a word. I, I don't even remember what I ministered. I just remembered this guy sitting there and just staring at me like this the whole time. Just in disbelief. And at the end of the time, I'm like, hey, man, I, I see that you're somewhat interested in what I had to say. Something by the look on your face. What's going on? He, and he begins to tell us this vision that he had, uh, a dream that he had uh, two nights ago, which was right when we were leaving the city, right when we were praying for the Lord to give people dreams and visions and open their hearts. And this guy shares this dream that he had. He said, the Lord came to me. He visited me. He, he, he loved me because this guy was in drugs and alcohol and everything else. And he was in a religious culture that, that basically said, you're worthless you have no value, you're wasting your life, straighten up, and then after you straighten up, maybe Jesus will pay you some attention. He had this encounter with the Lord, woke up the next morning, threw his, his smoking equipment out the door, uh, told his wife about the dream, quit drinking, goes across the, the way to his mother's house and shares this dream with his mother, and, and he says, I'm going to be baptized. And his mom says, well, how are you going to be baptized? There's not even a, a pastor around or anything else. And then we show up two days later. And so that's why he's sitting there looking. It's because he had that faith that that was a real encounter with the Lord that we didn't even provide. We weren't even there. God encountered him. He goes before us. He prepares the way. He had that encounter with the Lord. And then when we showed up, he's like, it's really going to happen. <laughs> it's really going to happen. We, we ministered to him. We baptized him. I think an hour later, we didn't get through the, the 12 pillars of baptism and the seven steps to your freedom and this and that. We went and dunked him. We shared with him that this wasn't the, the point of salvation, that he had this encounter with the Lord, that he made a decision to choose to follow after the Lord, and that this was an act of obedience and that he was going to have another encounter with the Lord in this time of just being obedient and being baptized, water baptized in the Lord. And we had baptized him, a few of his kids, and one of his uh, nephews or nieces. There was about five people that got baptized that day.
because God encountered him. How much time, what time do you guys get out of here? No, I had some people saying that they got burgers ready to go on the grill and we need to be out. <laughs> what, what time is it? Three o'clock? Okay, good deal. Is it really, is it like 12, 15-ish? Is that when you... 12, 30? Okay, good deal. Um, fast forward now. We don't get back to this guy because we go out to the ends of the rivers, guys. Uh, for me to get home on Wednesday, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to O'Hare. I'm going to fly from Chicago O'Hare uh, down to Miami, and then I'm going to go to Bogota, Colombia, and then I'm going to go to Manaus, and then I'm going to get on a 20-hour boat and get out to another city that we get our supplies and stuff from. And then from there, you get on another boat and go out another 10 hours, and that's where we arrived to these people that we're talking about and sharing testimonies today. So people sometimes like, hey, we want to come down for a week. I'm like, well, you'll spend your week traveling. If you spend two weeks, you'll get about a week with us. <laughs> um, but it took about two to three months for us to get back out and see this guy. And, and you guys know how it is. People have God encounters, and what happens? The enemy comes and tries to steal the seeds that were planted, tries to convince them that it wasn't for real. It was just their imagination. And so me being so full of faith, I had this expectation, well, he's had no help. He's probably slipped back into his old ways. He's probably drinking. So full of faith and expectation, right? I get out there, and I find out Uji, and, and he's the same as we left him. He's, he's just as animated, just as excited, without a pastor, without people taking him and walking hand in hand with him. That encounter with the Lord changed him in an instant. Amen. Guys, I am a full-on believer of discipleship. Discipleship is what we were commanded and commissioned to do, and I'm even going to talk on it a little bit this morning. But I'm telling you, I'm even more of a believer of what happens with that encounter with the Lord. The, the disciples were discipled in the Jewish school. They were taught the things of God, but that encounter with Jesus is what empowered them to be world changers. Yeah. The filling of the Holy Spirit soon after is what empowered them to go out and do that ministry. And so Eliuji now, I, I encountered him like that, and, and I'm like, oh, sweet. This guy's for real. Like, he actually had a, a, a life-changing, like, I had ex expectation when I was there, but, I mean, just all of our life experience comes and robs our faith at times. And he wasn't robbed of his faith, and he stood strong in it. Uh, we get back there. We minister in the community and whatnot. Uh, we have a night meeting. A couple of youth get saved, and they decide, man, I really want to change my life. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we got a Bible study with Eliuji in the morning. And, man, I really need to teach this guy how he can be a blessing to those around him and how he can help spearhead this, this encounter that he's had with the Lord, the fact that he's still walking strong. God's going to use him. And I'm just up there, and I'm ministering, and this is going in the back of my mind as I'm speaking. Um, and then I, I let somebody else minister something, and I was going over to walk over to Eliuji, who was back in the back corner. And as I'm going over to say, like, hey, can, can these young guys who are giving their life to the Lord, can we invite them over to your Bible study in the morning and just invite them over to your house um, to be a part of it? And I'm walking over, and, and I see him in the back, and he's like, hey, 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 come here. In Portuguese, not in English. Um, he hasn't spoken tongues yet, but believing for it soon. Maybe English will be one of those tongues. Who knows? Um, but get back there, and he, he stops me. He's like, Derek, I want you to teach me how to lead a Bible study. I really need to help these guys get to know the Lord more than what they are already. And he's like, I want you to teach me. I'm like, well, that's what I came to talk to you about. Great. Let's start tomorrow morning. <laughs> So fast forward a few more months, and we, we start making uh, every other week trips out there to be with his family. 
and more people in his family start to get saved. They start to see the difference that's happened in his life, the difference of the, the presence of God that we're carrying instead of the rules and restrictions and condemnation that some of the other representations of the church around them were presenting. And then now he's to the point where he's like, Derek, I want to start traveling with you guys. I want to get out to some of those other places and share Jesus there as well. And guys, at the end of the day, this isn't, oh man, look at us. We're such great missionaries. Look, we made this amazing disciple. This is, hey, look, we just showed up. God set everything up. He had the encounter. We walk in. I can't even share the knowledge and desires I have for this guy's life because the Lord's just downloading it in him. And all we can do is walk beside him and say, yes, keep going. Yes, keep going. Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, leading a Bible study can be as simple as this. And, and we get to walk along this guy and disciple him just because we're there and we're present and we know that we're a conduit for the, the gospel to affect him and those around him. Guys, this is what America needs. We're here celebrating Father's Day this morning in a nation that desperately needs bold fathers to stand up and be present in the home, not just in their home, but in the, the, the lives of those around them as well. Part of the fruit of my life and, and the reason that I am where I am is not only because I had good pastors, but because there were great elders in the church when I started as well. I only say that when I started, not because there's not great ones now, but because I don't know all the elders in the church so well now. <laughs> There were was, there was such great people who invested in my life, people who were spiritual fathers to me. I got a message from uh, Carl Baird this morning. I haven't been able to listen to it yet because I was so engaged in worship and whatnot. But he was one of the guys who took time out of his day and grabbed me under his wing and had a, a breakfast with me and just invested the, the heart of Jesus in me. I had uh, Denny's son, Craig Jones, same thing, uh, my best friend's dad. I had John Meredith, I had just all the, all the people back in that time who invested in this young guy who got expelled from school a couple of years before and now decides he wants to serve the Lord and be a missionary. And they looked beyond the flesh, beyond the, what was present in front of them. And for some reason, they took time out of their day and even bought me breakfast a few times and invested in my life some of the principles and some of the life lessons that my own father wasn't able to teach me because he didn't even know these principles and, and help me get to where I am today. Guys, that's what being a father is. You have your own children and you also have a nation of people around you that live in a fatherless generation, unfortunately. But you guys are the solution. It's not for the school teachers. School teachers have one of the hardest jobs. It's not for the school teachers to train up all our kids. It's for fathers and mothers in the home to train up a kid and teach him how to walk in the Lord. I, part of my testimony is that I had people willing to, to invest in my life, and that's, that's what I want to challenge you guys. I was taught by uh, somebody who likes to push people off the fence and throw them in the deep end. I want to push you guys in a little bit this morning. Who are you guys investing in? Who are you looking at beyond your own family? Because your own family unit is important, and that's your first disciples. But where else are you looking to invest your time and your energy? Where are you looking for God to use you to affect the world around you? Guys, this is the level of Christianity where you, where you go from walking the fence and seeing all that good stuff. This is, this is the barrier that's keeping you from experiencing it is that you're not jumping in and looking at the whole rest of it. We're, we're, we're growing up in a culture and a society that teaches us that the world is about us. Have it your way as fast as you want and if not, complain about it and maybe sue somebody and you'll get your money back and... And it's all about you. It's all about how much you can get and not about how much you can give. 
The Christian lifestyle is not about what all you can get from God. Yes, there's a, there's a benefits package that's out of this world, literally. But the benefit is, is that you get to be connected to the vine and experience that life now as you quit thinking so much about yourself and, and accept the things of God, that you take the call of Christ to, to die to yourself and to your desires and to see yourself placed in the kingdom of God and play a role in the expansion of the kingdom of heaven. Guys, if you guys are not playing a part in this, you're missing out on one of the major aspects of Christianity and one of the major blessings that you are called to live in. And if you're sitting here this morning, and this, this message is maybe a little bit relatable of that person walking the fence, oh, I got to make sure I don't have three beers because I might get too drunk. I got to make sure that I, I don't get seen at this place because it's not very uh, acceptable in these circles. And, and if you're walking the fence just thinking about all the rules and regulations and your life with Christ is trying to do right and not do wrong and, and just sitting here thinking about your past, you are missing out. Thankfully, this is a church that this isn't a new message, and I've got to convince you guys. You guys are already convinced. But I just feel strongly this morning that there's some people who are missing this aspect of being a disciple maker. And when you walk into that, your level of faith and your purpose starts to become real and fulfilled. And then when your father dies or your grandfather goes in the hospital or something like that happens, you're not shaken to the core. You might waver for a moment. There might be some pain in your heart. But at the end of the day, you're still so full of life that you have the ability to go out and not just sit up here and cry and share a, a story of how hurt you are, but you get to share how full of life you are in the middle of the storms of life. Guys, that's what the world around us needs. Eliud has made the call and accepting the, the, the call in his life to be this for some of the people around him. And it's to the point now where instead of us going out and just evangelizing, we're getting to the point of discipleship where now the same way that this church has, has helped us and sent us out, the same thing that we're doing with people like Eliuji, and it's like, hey, dude, here's $100 for this month to put extra gas in your tank so that you can make it to those houses that are on the other side of the river that you don't have the gas to get to. Here's the ability for you to think just a little bit less about what's going to be put on your table for dinner tonight and having to go fishing and for you to be able to go and fish for men and invest in their lives and see more people experience this goodness. We're getting to the point, guys, where our disciples are going to be making disciples. That's, that's the glory of what we're doing right now. It's, it's, uh, it's a, it was a sad moment for me this year that I realized... Um, that my ministry in the ends of these villages and me making disciples is kind of coming to an end because of the blessing of our team growing so big that now I have to invest in my team. And instead of me adding one by one, I'm investing in a, a 20 people who are going out and investing in another 10, 15 people each. And that sense of multiplication is happening. And that's how we're getting to the point that now we're seeing transformation take place in these communities. The investment that you guys started making years ago and have continued making in the ministry and in our lives and to see God work through us is paying off in a great way these days. Eliuj is one of these testimonies. There's other testimonies of people who have come to Christ over the last two years because our team has gone in. And, and there's, there's a scripture that says, they will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. I can't cite the chapter and verse. Maybe I'm not a good enough Christian yet. But I'll tell you what, I'm out there living it. Uh, 
And we're seeing people experience that love that they've heard about, that they've, they've, it's been talked about in the church, and that verse has been quoted several times, but they hadn't yet seen. And our team being out there in their homes, because we don't just go out and, and do our own thing, but we invest in the lives of people. We, we believe in the Acts church in Acts 2, uh, somewhere through 40 and 44, it talks about how the church grew tremendously. And, and one of the, the, the four aspects that it shares there is just fellowship of the believers, breaking of bread. And we break bread with these guys. And just in the middle of a dinner, talking about life, we don't just open our Bible every two seconds and try to quote scripture, but we actually share the revelation, which is found in the scripture. We share the revelation that Christ has put in our hearts and the testimony of what he's changed in our lives and the circumstances that we've been through. And we start seeing them live out those same victories in their lives. Guys, this is what we're called to do. <laughs> this morning, I'm not here to share just about a mission. I'm not here to give you the 12 steps of discipleship, but I'm here to tell you that you are called to be a disciple maker and that it's this simple. That if this guy right here can do it, so can you. And I have so much joy in knowing that when I'm over in Brazil fulfilling where I'm supposed to be, I know that there's people back here doing the same thing here in this church, here in this community. And those of you who aren't doing it yet, don't beat yourselves up about it. This isn't a message of you're failing. This is a message of you're missing out. Come on, bro. Taste and see if the Lord is good. Taste and see that what you have so far might be just the milk and the bread, but the steak is there and the seasoning's just right and it's cooked just to perfection that you get to enjoy it in its fullness. And when you guys start walking in, in discipleship, you start seeing it. It starts becoming a reality in your lives. So we have people coming to the Lord through just Jesus encounters. We have people coming to the Lord just through uh, fellowship and communion. And we have people who are coming just through the teaching of the Word. Uh, it's not that you can reason with somebody. I spent a few hours with a friend of mine the other night. I think we spent four hours together. We started at Buffalo Wild Wings. We ended at my parents' house with a fire. And the first three and a half hours was just talking about life and he was just going on about what all he has been experiencing and how he's been beat up at the church and why he is where he is and how he still believes in God but just not feeling any joy in life. And, and I just remember sitting there and thinking, I was just staring at the fire and I'm like, that's all he needs is the fire. That's all he needs is the fire. That's, that's, there's no amount of convincing in this world. There's no, I mean, he's, he's working with physicists and other peoples who uh, have far higher IQ than what I can convince him and he can quote so many things and, and I can just quote the word in my life experiences and there's no reasoning with somebody that's, that's gone down and convinced themselves in that, that, that way of thinking. The only reasoning that can happen is just an encounter with the Lord. And so I sat there at the fire and I was looking at the fire and I was like, bro, you just have a, a, a demonic oppression going on in your life and there's a spirit that might not be in you but it's hovering around you and it's causing all this mi misery in your life. And I just want to pray for you right now, and I want to see that thing go. Laid hands on him, and I prayed for like 15 minutes. And, and I'm not a long prayer. I don't, I'm not here to debate with anybody. I can't debate with a human, let alone a demon. I'm not going to debate. I just trusted that the Lord was going to show up, and that Christ's authority is greater than the authority of whatever it is trying to rule his life. And I, I just proclaimed peace over his life and that he was going to feel free in this moment. And I prayed for like 15 minutes. I don't even remember what I prayed. I started praying in tongues at one point because I ran out of words, but I just felt I was supposed to keep praying. 
And at the end of that 15 minutes, I just sat down and started looking at the fire again. I didn't even look over at him afterwards. And we sat there for another 15 minutes in, in, in silence. And then he starts talking. He's like, I feel so peaceful. It's the first time in years in my life, like in years, I think he said seven or eight years, that he felt peace where he just had these voices tormenting him and controlling him and keeping him from being able to experience any joy in life. And he was to the point of where he was, he was dead set on, he either has to make it big. I mean, he's making three figures, which might not be much with all the inflation and stuff going around, but he's making three figures. And he's, he's got success, but he's like, I got to shoot for the moon or I'm just going to give it all up and I'm just going to die. I mean, this is the point that he was at. Knowing that there was a creator, he has all the religious background. He knows that God is real. He, even the science that he's dabbled into shows that God is real, but he was missing that encounter with Jesus. Guys, that's why we're here. If, I came, if my dad died and, and, and was, like, for lack of better words, put out of his misery because he was living a miserable lifestyle, it wasn't helping anybody, it was, it was depressing just hearing about his lifestyle, let alone the depression that was on his life. If my dad dying now was so that I could have that one sit down with my one friend and be able to share an encounter with the Lord, it wasn't reasoning, it wasn't everything I'd learned, but it was simply just going up, putting my hand on his shoulder and saying, be free. What I have, I give to you. Bro, I have peace. You don't have any peace. You've got the opposite right now. What I have, I give to you. Be free. Guys, that's the encounters that changes people's lives. It doesn't matter who you are. It's not about how much you've studied and this and that. It's about getting to know God's voice and just simply being that conduit. And that's what we're doing over in Brazil. When you start walking like this, in this level of confidence, God just throws things in your way. He's just like, oh, I got one ready over there. Here, go that way. And he just, he just like throws you a bone everywhere you go. It was a bone. It's just kind of like, hey, here's, here's one for you. And, and sitting with this friend of mine who I've had since high school and seeing him struggle over the years, that was like God throwing me a bone, like, here you go. And then, I mean, in this three weeks, guys, I've been in the States three weeks. Uh, man, am I missing my family right now. Uh, it's part of the cost. It's part of the sacrifice. I counted it. I measured it. And I decided he was worthy. And I'm over here. Uh, without my kids on Father's Day. My dad just passed away. I got my stepfather I'm going to spend some time with later today. But I got my heavenly father that sustained me this long and he's going to keep me going. And I'm not here licking my wounds, guys. I'm not here licking my wounds because there's a, there's a freshness of life in me that has to get out to those around me. Guys, if you don't have that freshness, it's available to you this morning. This is why this building here exists. It's not here to be another a religious establishment in this city, but it's to bring heaven to earth in this place. It's to be not that middleman priest that you need to pray your prayers through and receive forgiveness through. It's to be a conduit that connects you with Jesus himself. It's to get people together in an atmosphere like this that people, when they walk in, the tangible presence of God is falling in this place, and they can't help but feel God's presence here and know that something has to change in them. And it's not that there's no spirit of religion in this place. I'm so thankful for it that I have the freedom to walk into a place like this. And, and I don't have to create an atmosphere. I was able to just walk in this morning and enjoy the presence of God in this place. I was wrecked in worship. It's not about what all, what all you've learned and where you're at in life and, and how far you've come. It's about simply believing that he is good and that he's available for you.
And he wants to use you to reach those around you. This is the ministry going on in Brazil. This, this is the testimony of what's going on in Brazil right now. I could go through all the statistics, which is sometimes a little bit boring. Those who are, are working in business, they, they're sometimes interested in the fact that we're building a base. We've got a few different rivers that we're working in. There's this many houses that we're in on a regular basis. I've got a team of about 20 people. I, I can share the testimonies of God one after another, but at the end of the day, the only thing that I can say is all that I have to offer is a hallelujah. I don't want to preach a whole lot more to you guys this morning, but I want to believe for an encounter of the Lord in your life this morning. I want to believe, uh, go ahead and if any, somebody wants to play some music or something, if, if you want to. It's not required for a movement of God, it just sounds cool. Oh, look at it. Bang. On demand, I love it. You want to come out to Brazil with me and have that machine ready? Guys, I want to believe for a touch of God in your life this morning. When I set up, when I, when I get invited into a service, when I look at ministry these days, the ministry from the time that I walk in the door to the time that I leave that place, the only thing I'm focusing on is what is it, what can I do to help people encounter the Lord? When I go out to these communities, it's, it's about connecting with their hearts. It's about discipleship. It's about these things. But at the end of the day, when I'm having coffee with somebody, what can I do to see them have an encounter with the Lord? I'm sitting by the fire. It's what can I do to see this person have an encounter with the Lord? This morning, from the time that I, the worship started, and even when, even just the joyful hugs and, and, and joy of being back in a place where I know so many friendly faces and even gladly seeing new faces that I don't know yet, I felt the presence of the Lord. And this whole time, hopefully your faith expectation, as I was sharing these stories, hopefully your expectation has grown in the fact that God wants to have this presence in you to the point that you're overflowing and that this life that is in you can reach out to people around you and that you can walk with your head held high in confidence that you don't have some amazing ability but you do have the King of Kings living inside of you. This morning I want you to be able to quote the same things that Peter and James we're able to quote to the, the beggar at the gate. And for some of it's easy, silver and gold I do not have. A lot of us can proclaim that, right? I'm not, I'm not proclaiming poverty. We have good gifts, and, and money is a great tool. But I, I want you guys to be able to stand with that same ability and say, nothing of earthly value do I have, but man, do I have something to give to you. The Holy Spirit, the one that raised Christ from the dead, lives inside of me, and he wants to reach out to you today. Guys, make that a declaration in your life today, that silver and gold, do not, I mean, what, you, you don't have to quote the scripture exactly, you have to gain the heart of it. You have to gain the understanding and the revelation of it. In other words, everything of earthly value that I have, I, I don't have much to give you, I don't have much to offer, I can't change your circumstance just by doing this or that. But let me tell you what I do have is I have a heavenly inheritance that lives inside of me. And you have the rights to the same, same inheritance. The life that is inside of me, not only is it available to you, but it's your birthright. From the beginning of creation, you were designed to be plugged into this vine. 
And I'm here today proclaiming that this is your opportunity. If there is somebody this morning that hasn't plugged into this vine, this is your opportunity. I don't want to overlook and, and just pretend that just because we're in a church in America that everybody's here is, is saved and has this relationship with the Lord. Thankfully, I know many people in here do. But if there is somebody this morning where you just haven't learned how to connect to that vine and it seems like a foreign concept where it's, all you've looked at is this God off in the sky and you haven't had his voice enter into your heart and confirm your existence and your purpose in this life, that that is available here. And there's people here that will teach you how to connect with them in a way that's going to change your life. But as many of you are here this morning, I know that you've had a connection with the Lord. And I've seen testimonies of you going out in this community and making a difference, not just in the food bank or what, what do we call it? Huh? Hey, Hunger Relief Center. It's not just a food bank. There's so much more than food that goes through that place. And I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not talking about the, the coffee makers and white weird things that somehow show up, but I'm talking about the spiritual encounter that people have in that place. It's so much more than a food bank. It's a ministry. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about your guys' daily lives, whether you be a school teacher, whether you own a business, whether you're the one at the cardboard factory just stamping out the cardboard so the boxes can be assembled. Are you a conduit for the Holy Spirit in those places? And if you have, you've fallen short in that area, this is not a, a condemnation moment. This is a conviction of that you have all this potential inside of you. Not only do you have this potential, but you have the ability and pleasure to serve the King of Kings at that capacity. That without the title, that you can still go and be used by God in ways even mightier than what a pastor can be used. Sometimes pastors are restricted. As soon as, a, as soon as they hear the word pastor, those wall goes up. And you have the ability to breach that wall because you don't have the title pastor. You have the position. You are called to go out in the world and be that. This morning, guys, I don't want to leave this place without you guys growing in your expectation of what God's going to use you for. I don't want to leave this place without you guys realizing and, and grasping that the Great Commission is not for titles and, and positions, but it's for the heart of every believer. And that your connection with the Lord and you bearing much fruit for Jesus is not just some sweet story of, oh, cool, look, I can do something. But later on in, in John 15, it shares that I tell you this so that your joy may be complete. There's people in here lacking joy this morning because you're lacking this concept of staying connected with the vine and bearing fruit. And guys, when you jump in this vein, this, this avenue, whatever, however you want to say it, when you jump into this reality that God wants to use you, not that you're just an amazing person, you're all amazing people, but God just wants one person saying, here I am, Lord, use me. I believe that you can use me. I love Chris taught me years ago, if God can use a donkey, he can use you. Also working with Dr. Leon, he didn't hold any punches. <laughs> I remember one day staying, sitting over in Africa, had a fire and tears. It's so hard, I want to be with some of my friends. I see on Facebook, they're having so much fun. He's like, well, you got a decision to make. Be a missionary or go home. But if, if 
you're going to be a missionary, you need to die. And please die quietly was the finish of his message. There's a call to die, guys. Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, The Cost of Discipleship, is amazing because it gets back to the reality that we are called to die to ourselves. When you sign up to be a Christian, guys, you will never truly live until you die to yourself. Until you realize that you have nothing to offer and you're that grain of wheat that goes into the ground and dies so that it can bear much fruit the same way that Jesus was the forerunner and showed us how to do it. Until you make that decision of your life to die to yourself and your own desires, you're going to live a minimal version of Christianity that I call miserable. But when you look at your life as an investment in the kingdom of heaven, and I will die to myself, and I will see Christ live through me, guys, life becomes amazing. That's the, that's the version of Christianity that this world is missing out on because there's a lot of places where people just see the level of Christianity where you, you're not dying, you're just whining about it, wanting to die. And you need to come to this point that you actually do die to your own abilities, desires, dreams, fears, failures, and you allow Christ to live in you. I'm not a public speaker, guys. If I grab a microphone somewhere else trying to promote something, I struggle. I stutter on my words. I mean, maybe I'm stuttering a little bit this morning, but this is clear compared to what it usually is. God's grace is enough. He wants to use you. He wants you to reach out into this world. I want to just uh, have this moment. Anybody that wants to experience a touch of God this morning, uh, whoever wants to come up and pray, I want to pray for you guys, but whoever else as well, I want you guys to come up in the front. I want you to line up here in the front. We're going to lay hands on you. The Bible talks about laying hands on people and seeing the, God, the, the, the heavenly flow deposited in their life. Sometimes it's healing. Uh, I remember Paul telling Timothy not to forget to stir up the gifts that were put inside him when he laid his hands on him. I don't have anything, any gifts to offer to you, but I have the Holy Spirit inside me that wants to touch you this morning. And so did the other leaders that might come up and pray with me. But I want to call you guys forward now. If you want to come up and just receive a touch from the Lord, put your trust in Him. Don't put your trust in the one holding the microphone. Put your trust in Him. Uh, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit has been me is mentioned three times in the Gospels. And um, let me just read you one of the scriptures. Jesus said, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Okay, so this is a pretty heavy scripture that Jesus is describing here. So Jesus is addressing in uh, the, the context here, I believe, the fate of Satan and other spirit beings versus human beings in the physical realm. This, the blasphemy, of the Spirit, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, is a sin that Satan committed. And when we look at this in context, you'll find that there are two times in the uh, teaching that Jesus mentions Holy Spirit blasphemy. He starts off his talk with saying, all sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. So he starts off to say, listen, everything man has done is forgiven. But what Satan and his angels has, have done, that is unforgivable. Now, why is, why is this teaching important? Well, let me give you a story. As When I was first came to Christ, when I was uh, at Penn State University, uh, you know, a number of years ago, when I was in college, I remember uh, there was this one girl in, uh, in one of our campus groups, 
And one day she just said out of the blue, she said, hey, as I was praying the other night, I decided to start praying for Satan. And I thought, why, why are you praying for Satan? And she said, well, I, I figured, you know, if I start praying for Satan and he gets saved, then what happens is then the whole world would be changed because no longer would Satan hate us and hate Jesus because he could actually get forgiveness. Now, I didn't understand, you know, I didn't know how to respond. I mean, you know, I understood her thought process, but I knew in my spirit, that's not, that's not a good plan right there. And um, so when we look at this scripture, we can see the reason why Jesus said that that sin is unforgivable, unforgivable because it was being applied to Satan and his angels, the fallen angels, that we should never pray for them because they, they've committed an unforgivable sin. But it doesn't apply to us. It doesn't apply to any man or woman on this planet. So again, Jesus said, all sins and blasphemies of men will be forgiven them. Amen. So we don't have to worry or, or be um, even concerned about the guilt or the shame that, that Satan would love to put on us um, about this portion of scripture. Satan and his kingdom have committed spirit blasphemy and can never be saved or redeemed. Jesus is teaching us that the fate of the kingdom of darkness is unalterable. So he doesn't want us wasting our time praying for Satan to be saved. manager of Gateway Hunger Relief Center and uh, I've been about here about 14 years. This has been a blessing to me and my family to be able to serve. We need your support and the reason why we need your support is because our numbers are growing for one thing. The need is great here in Richmond. We're able to provide fresh produce and sometimes milk and just meats and everything like that and your donations really mean a lot to keep this program going. Uh, we also serve the seniors and we also make kiddo bags. So every child gets a bag to take home that's got mac and cheese and drink and little snacks in there for them. And we just love being able to pass these things out and bless families. And if you love seeing, your, seeing families get blessed in Richmond, come donate to Gateway Hunger Relief Center. Shelby Jones. Hi, my name is JD Marker. Hi, my name is Jenny. I just love blessing the people and seeing all the smiling faces and smiling kids. I come love coming here. It gives me something to do every day. I like to give the people God in their hearts and I like to spread the word of God around to everybody. It's been a blessing. I've been here for 14 years and I hope to do it for another 14. I don't know what I'd do without him really. I'd be home doing nothing. I just love being here and helping people. I like to give out food and help people. God bless everybody.
disciples came to Jesus and they said, teach us how to pray. I'm Pastor Chris Monahan, and I want to let you know I've developed a course on prayer, which is a 13-week video course along with a study guide plus the audiobook of Disturbing the Present, chapter by chapter, to take you through training you on the power of prayer and declarations. I want to make this available to you through our Gateway Equip, our online school to help you become equipped not only with your prayer life, but also to learn how to declare over your own life so that you're built up and you have throne room confidence when you pray. And this is gonna be made available to you. Just go to our website at www.igateway.org. The course is $35 and just sign up online and get started along with many other courses that you'll find on our online equip school through Gateway Church. Sign up today, God bless. And just as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So Jesus came in a physical body. His physical body was, was murdered. It was butchered. It was strangled. It was said he, he didn't even look like himself by what he went through. He came in a physical body to do something for us. But how many know that we are now the second physical body of Jesus Christ? I want to say that again because... That may offend you a little bit, but think about that. You and I are the second body, the second physical body of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We're going to suffer like Jesus suffered. We're going to be persecuted like Jesus was persecuted. But we're going to carry that same authority and power that the first physical body of Jesus carried. I don't know if anyone's going to get happier in here this morning or not. But I'm trying to tell you something. We are that second physical body of Jesus for the world. John G. Lake, when he established the second body, the church, he never intended that it should be of lesser authority or lesser power than the first. How many know the first physical body came with power? People touched him. They were healed. Jesus was walking through the crowd and a sick person touched him. He said, Ooh, power went from me. John G. Lake is saying that there's no less power that should be on the second physical body of Jesus. He says it was his real purpose that the second body, the church, should exercise and fully accomplish all that the first had done. 